Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. All right, everybody, welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. I am not Brad Kearns, I am Brock Armstrong filling in for Brad because we're currently at the Primal Con here in Oxnard, California, staying in the Mandalay Beach Resort. And Brad is just, well, he's running around like a madman right now. So um, I'm filling in. And with me, I have one of the presenters here at Primal Con. And also, I think this is your third Primal Con, isn't it? Third Primal Con. Second as a presenter. I guess third as a guest, all in all. All right. Well, that voice that you just heard is Alessandra Wall, Dr. Alexandra Wall. Is it, is it okay if I call you Doc? Sure. <laughs> I probably won't. But anyway, um, yeah, so we're, we're sitting down. If you've been lucky enough to attend one of the Primal Cons, you may, have, uh, you may have been exposed to Alessandra already. But if you haven't, let's, let's get the spiel. Tell us what you're all about. Sure. So my name, as Brock was saying, is Alessandra Wall, and I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm based out of San Diego right now. And um, I came to PrimalCon three years ago as a, one year ago, sorry, as a guest, and um, decided that I could offer something to the Primal experience and to the people here. So in my private practice, uh, as a psychologist, I work with uh, people who are struggling with anxiety and stress management. That's um, something I know nothing about. Nothing. I just wanted to throw it in there. No, uh, no nobody, one. I don't think anybody listening to this podcast has stress or anxiety problems. It's a dead field. I don't yeah, know how I yeah. stay in business. <laughs> um, but uh, in my previous iteration as a psychologist, I worked with people suffering from eating disorders. Oh, okay. Um, wow. So everything on that kind of uh, end of anorexia and bulimia. So I have a lot of experience and background with eating and the psychology of eating and making changes. And then with the stress management and the anxiety, I have a lot of experience with helping people feel better and realign their lives. So that's, I wish I contributed something that tangible to the human condition. That's fantastic. Thank you. I admire people like you. That's excellent. Thank you for doing the work you do. Thank you. Well, hopefully I do it well. I think I do it well. I apparently Mark thinks you do it well because he brings you to these things. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I got into the primal paleo world five years ago after uh, um, having my first son and needing to lose baby weight and got sucked into it because I feel great. And the more I got sucked into it in my personal life, the more I wanted to figure out how to translate this into my professional life. And it started with introducing it to patients, to people who were not doing well and then blossomed into a budding coaching and nutrition consultant business. Wow, okay, so you learned about that yourself, and then like so many of us, when we learn something really exciting and new that works well for us, you wanted to share it with everybody. Mm-hmm. And then so through your practice, you were able to, to start introducing, did you frame it as a, as a primal approach, or was it more sort of sneaky, just sort of bringing the ideas in piece by piece so as not to scare anyone off? 
Um, a little bit of both. When I talk about nutrition, it's it's very overt and open that we're talking about paleo or primal nutrition, although there's a lot of misconceptions that always need to be corrected with people yeah, and of caveman diet and all of that stuff. Um, when it comes to the lifestyle aspect of primal living, I can sneak it in. I can start talking to people about the importance of sleep and stress management and reconnecting and disconnecting with the media and with their devices. Um, it makes me in my field somewhat of a fringe person, mm. a little, a little, you know, hippy dippy. But what I found in the last few years is people are really, really attracted to that aspect because it is how I present myself professionally and people come specifically for that now, which is great. Interesting. So I wonder why there is such a disconnect. Like you can sneak in the stuff about lifestyle because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. People understand we want to be more connected to the earth. We want to be sleeping better. We want to be managing stress, all of that kind of stuff. People are like, yeah, yeah, of course. But as soon as you start talking about the nutri- nutrition stuff, it gets all freaky and, oh, you're some kind of weirdo that wants to eat all this meat and all that fat and stuff. I wonder why there is such a disconnect in our society about where one makes so much sense and the other is just a terrifying weirdo kind of circumstance. Well, I think there are two or three main reasons for it. One is that food is extremely personal. So when you start... More personal than sleep or or habitat? Much more personal than sleep or habitat. Because food connects to our identity and our culture and our sense of who we are. So when you ask somebody to change their eating habits, really what you're asking them to do is make this culture shift or make this identity shift in many ways. That's one problem. Well, one issue with it. Another issue is um, the the neurochemical or the biochemical impact of food. So we're basically asking people to get rid of a really potent drug that makes them Mm. feel good all the time. And whether they're aware of that um, academically, like they actually know the science behind it, or whether it's just instinctual, they realize that you're asking them to stop or to shift their use of certain comfort foods. And people get really scared about having to deal with stress and anxiety and distress without being able to eat their way through it. Interesting. So it's actually, it's more of an addiction than like, I always think of people who are somewhat addicted to watching television, say in the evening, Mm -hmm. but food is actually, it's not only a mental addiction, it's not only a habit, but it's got that physical addiction side. So that's really what you're, what you're getting to. Wow. It's very interesting. But I mean, this is, this is, I didn't mean to go down this not rabbit hole, but this direction in the conversation, because we actually going to talk about something completely well, not completely different, but somewhat related. Um, but this is actually the kind of thing that you talk about at the Primal Con. Like later on today, you'll be working with groups talking about exactly how to put things in place to change these habits. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, when I first approached Mark and then approached Brad, my point was that we have a lot of um, problem solving skills and a lot of information that's out there to make changes in our lives. But a lot of people don't apply those changes simply because there's an emotional or a cognitive block, right? Their thoughts associated mm. with it, emotions associated with it. And although they know what to do, shifting that knowledge into action becomes really difficult. So yeah, these are the things I'm going to talk about, helping people understand why, why they don't do the things they say they want to do and helping them understand how that's connected to their emotions or their thoughts about certain habits and changing those habits. So that's what you mean by cognitive block then? Yeah, like the thoughts. So um, an emotional block might be something like saying, 
I know that when I eat, when I'm sad, if I eat a donut, I'm going to feel better. And so I take that to manage feeling sad. A cognitive block might be um, saying this food in my mind is associated with my family and growing up. There's a real strong thought associated with it and it holds me back. Mm. Or looking at really simple things you were talking about, sleep. Um, a lot of times you would think that getting people to go to sleep 15 minutes earlier, 20 minutes earlier would be really easy. Yeah, sounds easy. And you try to problem solve with them and you realize they come in a week later and they haven't changed it. Well, when you look at it, there's this assumption like this is my free time. You're trying to take away from my free time. Mm. Uh, being able to stay up is a freedom I have or independence or autonomy I have as an adult. And suddenly I'm supposed to behave like a child. Those are thoughts they are cognitive blocks that lead to an emotional reaction, which is this rebellion, this kind of anger and irritation at making a life change so they don't pursue it, even though they need it. So that's that's really the, the stem of it, then, is the emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. So you've got these cognitive blocks, and that leads to that emotional reaction, which leads to inactivity. Exactly, which leads to a behavior, which in this case is to be passive. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> that's, I, I have some exposure myself with cognitive behavior training, and you use that in your practice, don't you? The I CBT? do. I do. I use CBT. It's, it's, it's extremely user-friendly and it makes sense. And it allows people to understand what they do on their own without having to rely on coming in to see me all the time. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that's, I think we could easily do like a two-hour show about, about that in particular. But if people want to get more information about that in specific, they should go to your website. Is that? Yeah. And which is uh, lifeinfocussandiego.com. Okay. We'll put that, uh, we'll make sure that that gets into the, into the webpage as well. So people can go over to primalblueprint.com and find this um, blog post and, and find a link from there. But that aside now, we've got that kind of out of the way. What we really, or what I was interested in talking to you about was this, uh, this new idea that you've, you've come up with and I guess, I, why would I explain it? You explain it for us. <laughs> sure. So um, right now, one of the big things I'm working on is this concept of real wealth. So It's real wealth. Real wealth. Okay. And not pretend wealth. No, not pretend wealth. <laughs> not financial wealth. Not financial wealth, yes. So what I realize is I, I work with a fair amount of working professionals. And the people I work with are very driven. And they spend a lot of hours trying to build their careers, trying to build their professional lives sometimes to the exclusion of other areas of their life. And part of what's driving them is this need to accumulate wealth. Um, But in trying to accumulate financial wealth, what you find is that they're really letting go of other aspects that people who are truly wealthy have. Mm. So if we think of people who are financially truly wealthy, what they have is the financial means to obtain the freedom to live their life the way they mean to. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so it's not that the money's there and it's accumulated and they buy things, but with that money, they can take time off. They can have the time to think about what matters to them and pursue those interests. It gives all the things that we see on the freedom 55 commercials or the, the lotto winning commercials where you can have the freedom to live the life you want. Exactly. If only you won the lottery or saved your entire work career exactly if you work until you you're 70 and then then you have you know a mere 30 years to take advantage of it so 
when I talk about real wealth, what I talk about is not the financial aspect of it, but really this notion of having the freedom to live life the way you mean to. And I think that that's something that's attainable for most people if they can understand what things they value mm. and if they can understand how to implement and build those things, those values into their life on a daily basis. Um, and I approach that from two ends. One is, yeah, there's the balance end of things. So lifestyle changes, but there's also health because I can, I can know what my value system is and I can know what I want and I can try to do it. But if I'm limited by my health, then I'm not going to be able to pursue the life I, I want and not in the way I mean to live it. And that's a physical and a mental health aspect. Like yeah. going back to what we were talking about before, like putting those roadblocks in front of yourself would also in, inhibit your ability to have this real wealth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so the idea, so the idea is really to, to make a, a feeling of wealth, or I guess I, I hate to say feeling cause that makes it sound like it's not real. Cause this is a real wealth that you're talking about. It's a, it's a richness of the of soul life. almost. It's richness of life. Yeah. It's fulfillment. Right. So if you talk to a lot of people, especially people who, and a lot of this, these concepts, they're based on things I go through. I am one of those people who I'm a mother of two children. I have a private practice for psychology. I'm building a coaching practice. I'm a nutrition and uh, lifestyle coach at a CrossFit gym. I'm also the executive director of that CrossFit gym, and I'm uh, chair of the board of directors of a charter school. So you're a total slacker, in other words. I'm a total, total slacker. slacker. And in addition to doing that, I have this fantasy that I can maintain a social life and still be a partner to my husband. So there are people like me out there who want everything and who believe that they can have it, but who burn out in trying to get it. So they're, they're reaching for a whole bunch of things and they feel unfulfilled. And I think part of what happens is they don't have a good understanding of what truly matters. And we don't tend to reevaluate what matters to us later on in our life. We do it as teenagers, right? We dream as teenagers yeah. about what do I want to be? What do I want to do? What matters? And somewhere in our twenties and early thirties, I think we get caught up in the rat race and we're trying to accumulate financial wealth, right? We, we live very reactively and we forget the rest of the wealth of, of living. And so this is about having people realize a, that it's out there and possible, but then giving them a pathway to achieve that. Interesting. I, I, while you're saying that I was actually thinking of my own life and I think a lot of the things that I have done in the past and, and actually in the more recent past, isn't necessarily to accumulate financial wealth, but it's sort of a, a social currency. Mm -hmm. Like I think like maybe you find the same thing, like joining on the boards, being presidents of boards and working on, on with groups and, and stuff. You, it's sort of an emotional or a social cash that you build for yourself because somehow somewhere along the way, we find out that the better people think of us, somehow the better we'll feel about ourselves as well, which isn't necessarily this real wealth that you're talking about. It's sort of a fake wealth. It's yeah. And it's a lot of, um, a lot of, I think what's important is having people look at what you're right. What matters to them, not what they think matters to other people and therefore should yeah, or matter to parents, them. Like, it's like, Oh, mom will be so happy if I, if I join up with this group. Exactly. Like, will I be happy? Probably not, but mom will be. And it's one of the things that's 
actually pretty amazing about these primal con events to be honest you look at the people here you look at not only some of the presenters and the staff who are here but um some of the the guests who come and these are people who at some point in time are stopped and looked at their life and said this is not the way i've i meant for my life to go mm. and i want to create a change and they have some of them have implemented full changes career changes lifestyle changes changes in how they relate to the people in their life and more importantly relate to themselves because yeah. one of the things you're mentioning is we do do a lot of meeting our responsibilities and meeting the needs of others and then we forget that we also have to meet our own needs and take care of ourselves. and so some people have achieved that already i could name a few if you want names and other people are in the midst of doing that and still trying to figure out how to get there but they at least have a vision of this life where they feel more fulfilled. So I think you say that kind of thing to to most people. And the first thing they'll respond to is, what do I need to sacrifice in my life in order to achieve this? Like, my life is full. I'm, I have no more time in my day. I have no more money in my bank account. How on earth am I going to achieve this? Oh, that's a good question. That's a big... My, I'll tell you my gut response to that question. Okay. It starts with... At the end of the day, actually nothing. Hmm. In the long term, you're not sacrificing anything. In the short term, what you're sacrificing is a lot of prior held expectations and it's work. It's a lot of work and you there's an amount of courage, I think, that's involved in the process too. So one, one has to have the guts at the end of the day to make the shifts that you need to make. And that might mean shedding old concepts of who you were and what you needed to be and it might mean disappointing people sometimes yeah right um but that's the short-term cost right the short-term cost is maybe working less hours and making a little bit less money or spending less time with a group of friends because at the end of the day the friendship's nice but it's superficial but these there are these other relationships or projects you want to work on in the long run it becomes a very efficient system And so there is no sacrifice. You have that sense of balance. There's no point where all parts of the system are completely balanced all the time, but there's this movement from one period to another. So at one point, you might be more focused on your professional life, but you're still paying attention to your personal life, your social life, your family life, right? And then maybe at another point, that professional piece can go down a little bit and you really need to focus on taking care of yourself and your health. But that's not done by excluding all other aspects, which is what a lot of people do now. It's mm. all work. Yeah, it's and all nothing. And there's a sense that, yes, that it's all or nothing. That in order to be healthy, I have to give up everything else in my life. In order to be successful, I, I, I don't have time to take care of work and I have to minimize my engagement with my children. And, you know, or in order to have a good social life, well, I just have to accept that I'm not going to be able to be that successful in business. Okay. I think I get it. I think so it's a balance of priorities. Mm-hmm. But in order to make that balance or or figure out what you actually need to rebalance, you have to know in yourself what is actually important to you. Right. So the first step would be figuring out which of these things in my life am I really um engaging with or really valuing or bringing value to my life, which things aren't bringing value to my life and then how do I shift that priority? moving forward with that knowledge yeah in order to fuel the the inner wealth 
Exactly. So I have this really cool exercise if the people listening want want to do it. Yeah. Um, I want to so, do it. <laughs> um, and this will take time, right? But what I'll have people do in their intake with me is I'll say, okay, imagine that you're in your late 80s and some young person comes up to you, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, and asks you, did you live your life well? Yeah. And your answer to them is, yes, you know what? All in all, I'm really satisfied with the way I live my life. Parentheses here. When I say satisfied, I don't mean it was okay. I mean satisfied is this true sense of satisfaction with how you lived your life, right? Okay. And so, so you answer to this younger person, yes, all in all, I'm really satisfied with how I live my life. How do you justify that response? What did you do? Oh. How did you live in order to be able to say that? And I'll tell people, you know, you don't need to be based in reality when you're answering this question. Because one, most of the people I'm working with are not in their 80s. So there's going to be some kind of guessing of what life looks like in later years. And, but what we do is we look at that narrative that they write down, and then we extrapolate themes. And, and the next question I'll ask them is I'll say, how are these elements that you say really matter to you, how are they present in your life today? And we try to reconcile those two things. Um, what I have found, what most of us do, is we don't reevaluate. We forget to realize that development is not something you go through between the ages of 0 and 18. It's a lifelong process. So who you are in your 20s and what you value and what matters to you looks very different from what matters in your reproductive years, whatever those are, let's say yeah. 30 to 40-something, which is very different from what life looks like and what, val what things you value in your 50s. So this is something that somebody would repeat yeah. Well, life, life. Is, life is supposed to be a process. It's not just figure it out and, and okay, blindly go forward. Exactly. Uh, but people forget that. So a lot of people in their 40s are still operating off of concepts and value systems that they established in their early 20s when they were looking for a job and they had a sense of what a career meant. The, the people fail to reevaluate and then to refocus their life around what matters now. Interesting. So to get back to, to that sort of that exercise that you do, um, so it's it sort of sounds like a, a little more reasonable or a smarter way to approach that, like write your own obituary mm -hmm. kind of thing and then try to achieve that. It's more, so are you going after more of an actionable sort of item, like a, in the now and like in the present? Um, I guess what I'm asking is how, why did you choose to, to sort of frame it in the talking to a, a child or a niece or a nephew or something uh, well, I was trying to go to make sure that people were as um, as honest as possible I think that when we when we answer adults about what matters we answer them taking into consideration what we think society says should oh, matter yeah we don't course. do that with children with children we have this expectation that it's okay to dream that it's okay to think big and so well, they don't have an expectation that we are projecting on ourselves through them. They're just they're this empty slate. So yeah, it can't, it's a lot easier to be honest with a the child than with a with an adult for sure. I, that right. makes sense. And within if I do it with an adult, and sometimes people will do this, and we have to redo the exercise. They'll be very vague. Oh, I had a fulfilling love life. My my professional career went really well, and it's all very vague and very yeah. proper. Yeah. And. I had a job and I worked my career and I retired. And, I had a loving relationship with my long-term partner, you know, and, and so, children. and they don't think about small things like, 
putting in something like, I was a photographer for National Geographic. They might know they're never going to be a photographer for National Geographic, but if that comes up in the narrative, we're going to talk about why that's there. Why, what is it? Is it the traveling? Is it the being, um, is it the artistic element? Is it the being really successful at something? Oh, so it's not necessarily like you're not going to encourage them to necessarily become a National Geographic photographer, but by eking out what is it about that job that's so interesting, that's something you could actually achieve. Exactly. We look at what are the values that are in there. What is it that matters about that? Um, because we can't become all the things we dream of being, but that doesn't mean that those things don't matter to us. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't have to be all or nothing either. It doesn't have to be National Geographic photographer or, or sitting at home watching Oprah. Exactly. It's, you can be somewhere in between, which brings that wealth, I guess, to your life in, a, in an actionable kind of way. But mm-hmm. you don't have to sacrifice a ton of stuff. Maybe it has to be a, a slight sacrifice, but by reprioritizing what is important to you, you just do replacements. Is that right? That's, that's exactly right. So that's what we'll do. You know, the next step, if anybody's doing this at home, the next step is once you've identified these pieces, then you can go and say, how do I get a version of this in my life today? What's one realistic way in which I can do that? And then there's a whole planning process that goes into implementing that, right? And that might take a while. We get back to those emotional barriers and all of those things, but it, it at least allows you to operate according to what truly matters to you, as opposed to just being reactive. And most people are reactive and then they look back and they have regrets and they feel like they've lived in autopilot. Wow. Okay, so I guess just to frame this in a particularly primal blueprint sort of way, let's say I'm somebody who just picked up the book, I've read it cover to cover, tore through the thing, and I'm totally inspired to, to bring some of this wealth into, into my life, and I've chosen, um, let's say, just the, the exercise component of, of the primal blueprint. I want to start exercising more the low-level aerobic activity, some sprints, and some lifting heavy things. Um, how could I use, use that technique, I guess, to, uh, to bring that into my life? So what I would do with that is I would say, okay, so the exercise piece is what got you really excited. Yeah, and, and yeah I'm gonna, I realized as I was reading it, I've got that fire in my belly that's like, oh, that makes so much sense. I want to do that. I'm going to bring that back to a value piece, and I'll explain why in a second. Okay. But my question to you will be, what is it about it? What is it about the exercise piece that got you oh, really okay. excited? Okay, so then I'd say, um, well, maybe it's the, it's not necessarily weight loss. I I want to um, I want to be stronger because I find I can't play with my kids as much as I want. Okay, like maybe that's the the whole thing. Is I just I don't feel strong. So you don't feel strong, but you want to play with your kids. So is part of it a piece about wanting or being able to connect with other people too, or is it just oh, okay. about being strong? So yeah, so there's a third extension. So we've gone from just general exercise to being, wanting to be strong, to wanting to be able to play with the kids, to wanting to interact with people in, in that sort of way, in a physical right. type of way, or in a game, a play sort of situation. Yeah, and the reason I'm going to tie that in is because oftentimes we'll read things or we'll go to things like Primal Con and we'll get really excited about a concept. And we have this idea that's been presented in a manualized version about what we should do. And when we go in to try to implement that in our lives, what we find is we might fail or we might do it for a few months and fall behind. And I think that happens when you don't adapt whatever it is you got excited about to who you are and to why it matters to you. So at this point, you know, you notice you said strength and sprinting, you mentioned a whole bunch of things. I guarantee you're not going to keep all that up. Yeah. 
right? So it's yeah, about beyond thinking, the initial excitement of I'm going to look so good in those jeans. And, and, and for most fleeting. people, that doesn't hold up. No, it doesn't. So it goes about, okay, why does this matter to you? And then we can build that exercise piece by making sure that what you're doing is going to fulfill all those needs. So maybe it is about being strong and then you're going to do primal play stuff so that you are like getting fit and playing with your kids and connecting with them. Maybe it's about being strong and the social piece. So we're going to have you think about maybe joining a gym community that has a strong community or joining group sports and not necessarily sprinting because that's a that's a really individual exercise so we want to tie those things in together because that piece about wealth is realizing first that these are all interconnected and that there's a reason for us to do these and we want to get the most we can out of it and as a short-term reason too it's not some Un, intangible goal that may happen six months or a year or two years from now where you look in the mirror and actually think yeah I could be on the cover of men's health like that probably won't happen because that's such a far off goal but what you're talking about is a much it's a much quicker mm-hmm. payoff yeah the person's going to be able to realize immediately what they're getting out of it and part of it is because they will have sat down and thought about it prior to even starting yeah I love the breaking it down to its its core impetus rather than going these sort of generalized ideas. I mean, we talk about that all the time in general, like the reason why so many diets fail is because the goal was to lose weight or be more fit or be more healthy, which are such general goals. But even even on a certain level with like like what we were talking about, even though it's an aspect of the primal blueprint doing the doing the exercise component, there's still so many smaller aspects of that aspect. And one of those is the actual reason why you got excited about it. Exactly. So it's really, it's drilling down, drilling down, drilling down until you get that emotional connection. Yep, exactly. I love it. That's awesome. We really, I mean, that's, that's something we could just apply to well, I guess then that's I your do. point is you apply it to every part of everybody's life. It doesn't have to be just a, an exercise or a nutrition goal. It's really everything. Yeah, it's, it's personal interest. It's engagement with family, with friends. It's work sometimes, you know. And that doesn't mean that we can just abandon everything. We, we are not super wealthy financially, so we, we do have responsibilities. All of this has to be grounded in the reality of our responsibilities and meeting basic needs. But everybody has the opportunity to get a piece of that real wealth. And some of us, if we work on it over time, can get nearly all of it. Maybe even winning the lottery in the process. <laughs> I, I'm not sure about that. But <laughs> I guess I have to start buying tickets before I'm going to win the lottery. Uh, Though the lotteries in Canada are really lame compared to the, the lotteries in America. You guys like win like billions of dollars don't you you have to get people down here to buy you tickets when the lottery is big yeah that's a good strategy now that's an attainable goal that is an attainable goal i have a lot of strategies for that if you want we can talk about it later all right so okay so people want to learn more about real wealth Mm -hmm. i i know this is a a new idea for you but is there uh are there some resources that they can can follow up with to to i will be launching probably in a few weeks more information about it on my coaching website um right now anybody who wants to read about these things can go onto my blog Um, oh okay that's that's so um the blog can be reached Two ways. One is the old website I gave you, the lifeinfocussandiego.com, because the landing page will give you an opportunity to go to my therapy or my coaching 
And it's on, that's on your coaching. And it's website. on my coaching. Yeah. And the coaching website is lifeinfocussd.com. Nice. So if you remember San Diego, just shorten it. Exactly. Or just follow that link anyway and, and, and you'll and get there. On there. Cool. And then in a few weeks, you're going to start like really bringing this to the, to I'll the be, people? I'll be launching. Yes. So I'm going to, from this notion of real wealth, I have these two coaching programs um, called the Real Wealth Equation. And I have a Real Wealth Equation Balance, which is the lifestyle piece, and Real, real Wealth Equation Health, which is the nutrition piece. Fantastic. And I guess in the meantime, if people come to PrimalCon, yes, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you at more PrimalCons. I would love it, and we'll be teaching this concept and helping people, you know, make changes in their life. Oh, and I first saw you speak at uh, PrimalCon Tulum back in in March 2014. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I was so inspired by by the ideas. I, I mean, I was inspired by everybody that I saw at PrimalCon, but I, I really walked away with some really good good ideas about how to um how to get out of my own damn way and make some changes in my life and and I think that is something that so many people struggle with all the time and I think some people don't even realize that it's them that's getting in their own way so I I love that you're getting this this message out to people I I wholly support it encourage everybody to uh to go check out Alessandra's website and all of her practice and of course, come to PrimalCon. And I'm, I'm apologize in uh, in retrospect here. There were some noisy bits in the background, but we're recording in my hotel room here at the Mandalay Resort. So if you heard some vacuum cleaners and some sirens, I apologize. But that's uh, that's what you get when we're bringing it to you live from PrimalCon in Oxnard. Thanks for being on the podcast, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully have you back. My pleasure, anytime. Safeguard your health with the most comprehensive all-in-one nutritional supplement on the planet, Primal Nutrition's Damage Control Master Formula. Forget mixing and matching with multiple bottles of individual agents. Now you can just take a single packet of the most potent and optimally balanced multivitamin, multimineral, antioxidant formula available on the market. You'll enjoy complete immune system, cardiovascular, memory, nerve, bone, liver, and anti-stress support, and much more. With 51 research-proven ingredients, Damage Control Master Formula helps you combat oxidative damage in every cell and every system in your body and shore up any dietary shortcomings with complete protection. Order Damage Control Master Formula today at PrimalBlueprint.com and check out the incredible free shipping offer for our convenient and custom-designed auto-ship program.